I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gabby Roslin Podcast. Hello, Gabby Roslin here. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this week's guest is an inspirational, gorgeous soul. It's the gifted superstar DJ and now author, Annie Mack, or to give her her full name, Annie McManus. We chat about growing up in Ireland and how she wanted to be an actress but ended up studying English literature. She talks openly about the lack of female DJs, the fact that she is one of the very few DJs who also is a mother, and her admiration for broadcaster Marianne Hobbs. We chat about family life with DJ husband Toddler T, And I should flag, this conversation was recorded before the announcement that she's leaving Radio 1. But actually listening back to it, it feels fitting that she's leaving to spend more time with her children and to write more fiction. We discuss her new debut novel called Mother Mother, which is out on the 27th of May, available to pre-order now. And it is lovely. And I can see it as a film. And you won't believe what song Annie Mack renowned DJ listens to with her children listen to find out enjoy please can I ask you a favor would you mind please following and subscribing by pressing the follow or subscribe button on the show now I have to tell you this really honestly does not cost any money it's completely free and then if you wouldn't mind rate and review on apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iphone or ipad You simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap to rate and press write a review. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Annie Mack, author. See, I never thought I'd be saying that (laughs) because, I mean, you are... Superstar, world-renowned, <laughs> biggest female DJ in Europe. I never thought I'd be saying, oh, hello, Annie Mac, author. <laughs> Does that feel weird? Yes. I, I, yes, Gabby. I, the, the idea of me being an author, just the word author feels way too lofty for, for me. <laughs> feels way let's too, leave too it. far away. Let's leave it. Let's park the author bit and we'll come back to the author bit because congratulations on Mother Mother. Wow. But let's go. Let's go to DJ because do you know what's awful? I realised something about myself and I'm I honestly, this is me being honest and it's shocking that if I think of DJ, the first picture I have is of a male. And I'm really sorry to admit it, but I think it's growing up 
they were always men. And the superstar DJs were men. And then the women came to the fore. And it's electrifying. Mm. And I know it's equal these days. I hope it is. Goodness, I hope it is. But I apologise for thinking that in the first place. But do you think people still have that? Ahead yeah, I mean, I think you're totally within your rights to have those, you know, instinctive associations because DJs were all men, basically. And um, unfortunately, it's still not equal now. Um, nowhere near equal. Um, there's still such a long way to go. You know, as you say, you know, thinking of, of a DJ as a man is is totally natural because they have been mainly up to, up to this point. Um, I started DJing professionally in 2000 and six maybe and um 2005 2006 and I was always the only the only woman on the lineup um no oh god yes of course still then see I would have thought that was years before that there there was okay so here's the thing there was I, I suppose in each genre you will have had like a handful of women right um but as I became a headline DJ and the Radio 1, you know, profile really helped me to, to kind of climb up the lineups and stuff. Um, there was never any women at my level. So as I grew, grew older, you could start seeing women kind of creep into the lower tiers of festival bills and kind of and coming up that way. Um, but there's still a huge lack of females in terms of any sort of kind of middle to headline status, huge lack of them. And at the moment, the problem people have is they have such a small pool to choose from. So, you know, if if you are trying to get a kind of equal lineup or try and represent a lot of women on your lineup, and there's so few women, if those women are already booked or they can't do it, then you have this problem of just not being able to fill the gaps. So, that you'll find a lot of, you know, well-meaning promoters these days, you know, if they can't have the females in the top half of the lineup and those bigger names, all of the bottom half will be kind of a lot of a lot more female names. And it's just it's just a matter of time, but it surprised me and still does surprise me how long it's taken for women to come through and you know, I've spoken about this so often, but I guess it's the same as so many other um, types of work um, that are totally unequal when it comes to sex and 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 it's because all of the gatekeepers were men um, people didn't see women being DJs so they didn't occur to them that that was a place that they were welcome and they could do it themselves um, and I think it's taken women being DJs in order for other women to then come through and feel like it was something they could aspire to as well. I did. I'm really. I, I didn't realize it was as. It's only been such a short time. I thought female DJs have been around for quite a long time. Uh, but I listen. I've got to be completely hand on heart. I'm not a clubber. I'm not. A, I've never been to Ibiza. I've never gone to. I, I. I'm. I'm the straightest straight person. I always have been. But I thought that female DJs have been around for longer. Well, they have. They have been around, but there's so few of them. So it's kind right. of if it, of course female DJs have been around. You know, you have people like Sister Bliss and Jojo um, jo Mills and, and like amazing women. You know, when we you know when trans, would, yeah, when trans music was huge, there was there was there was women in that. But it, it proportionally, it was like one percent. You know, it was t- tiny, tiny, tiny proportional uh, of women, um, and none of them 
bar Sister Bliss, can I say, really ever got past a certain point um, of success. And I, you know, you could go into that as well. But, you know, yesterday was, was Mother's Day. We're speaking on, you know, the day after Mother's Day. And Ministry of Sound did a tweet saying, you know, happy Mother's Day to everyone and put a picture of me up. And it just made me laugh because I wanted to retweet it and say, happy Mother's Day to all the DJ mob. Hello? Any DJ moms? <laughs> because I can count them on one hand. I literally, I don't know any, like, you know, this, ugh, I, I just don't know more than, I think, three other women that are mothers and DJs, working DJs. And, and that's a whole other story. Do you know, that's very interesting because uh, speaking to Sanjeev Bhaskar um, on this podcast, and he was saying what he needed to see was people like him on television. Mm-hmm. And um, so many, you know, the, the list is endless of people saying what I really needed to see yeah. were people like me. It was Rob Beckett who said, I never saw stand up comedians like me. And then he saw Alan Davis. And mm. so what was the the one for you that you saw and you thought, you know what, actually, I'm a woman and I can do it. Well, there wasn't a woman in in the world of DJing and clubbing that inspired me. It was actually just seeing, uh, a, a, you know, a huge rotation of, of men. Um, so I was inspired into radio by a woman. It was Marianne Hobbs's show that I was very, very obsessed with and listened to and recorded and all of that. So she really helped me to see that there could be somewhere for me in radio in terms of that, that kind of specialist music, that late night kind of show, which always belonged to men. You know, it was always, you know, yeah, those kind yeah, of yeah. Um, men were the kind of experts and the heads and the, you know, the the geeks when it came to music. Um, it wasn't really traditionally a, a, a role that women held. Uh, but Marianne changed that for me personally. And in DJing, yeah, there was there was no women that I, I just I, I was always a girl that uh, I mean, the guys who I went clubbing with where, you know, there was a group of about maybe six or seven of us and I was the only girl and they were all guys. And I brought my decks off one of them and just I don't know what what I just wanted to do it. So I did it. Good for you. How fabulous is that? I hope you're like that with your boys. If they say, uh, mom, can I do it? Do you just say, if you want to do it, then do it. Well, actually, within within reason, let's be honest. <laughs> within reason. At the reason. age they are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I, I, don't, I, I think, I, 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 yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I don't want to sound like, um, oh, I just went ahead and did it, you know, and other people didn't. I don't want that to come across like it's big-headed because it's not supposed oh, to no, be that Oh, no, it doesn't come You don't sound like that at all. Yeah. Not at all. I don't understand why. I just wanted to do it, and I was always friends with loads of guys, and it just happened, I guess. Do you uh, do you have a rave shed in your garden? Yeah, is that true? yeah, yeah. What's it like? It's like a vagina. It's painted. <laughs> it's painted pink. Roof and walls. It's covered. It's it's <laughs> it's just this pink cave. Um, and I've got my decks in there and all my records and um, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and I go there and shut the soundproof doors and turn the music up or. Just do some writing. It's a nice, it's a lovely place to be. I'm really grateful for it. It's also where me and my husband have been doing DJ sets from during lockdown. Yeah. And it's it's felt like a very important place to go and turn up the music and shake off life. But you had that before lockdown, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had it for years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you let your kids in? Yeah, I do. But they just cause chaos. They just come in and turn everything upside down and um, they want to, 
they want to play on the decks and you know which is great and I let them for a bit and then and then I take them out again basically they they mainly know when I'm working they mainly know it as a place that they cannot come to <laughs> do they do they like the music that you and it's really weird. Do what do I call tea. your husband? Everyone calls him T. I tea. know. Ev- okay. Gabby, everyone has this issue. It's so weird. He's got such a weird so Toddler T is his stage name as such, but you know, he's a thirty six year old man. That. No, of course you can. It's strange. So everyone calls him T. Um his okay, real name tea. is Tom. Um Okay. Well, I'll call him T or Tom or anything. But do, do, do they like the, the music that you two listen to, or do they have their own? Is it all you know? Do they have? Do they listen to to clubbing music, or do they listen to to their own stuff? They are really into music, and um, they like T's music. They know them as Daddy songs, and um, they review his songs, which is kind of hilarious. And um, they... Oh, what do they say? What do they well, say? Well, they just, they like some and they don't like some, you know. And if, if my <laughs> oldest son really likes a song, T takes that as a good sign. Um, but, they, they, and they like, um, I don't know really how they feel about the music that I play on the radio because it's so varied, but they do love a shout out. And um, oh. they get they get a lot of shout outs from me and I've had to kind of start changing their names and giving them code names now. Um, because I can't keep shouting out the same names every single week on the radio. So <laughs> if you ever hear any superhero origin names, like Bruce Banner, that's me shouting out my child. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So they realise what you do. I know that's a really stupid question, but my but my girls, when they were little, I suppose they I just went to work. Yeah. anybody else. Well, they, they've started to now. Oshin, uh, my oldest, definitely does know what I do. My youngest... Um, I think, yeah, I think he, he's not freaked out when I'm on the radio anymore. Like, he understands that I'm not in the room if he can hear my voice. Um, yeah. But he, yeah, he just he's just not really into me going to work. He's he, I think he'd rather I stayed at home, to be honest. Well, I think most kids might feel like that now because yeah. of because of the, the COVID year, that, that people are just think kids are thinking, but you're supposed to be around all the time, aren't you? Mm, mm. So you have, obviously for you, you travel all the time I think do you take weekends off or something but but you travel all the time or traveled all the time your life has changed extraordinarily yeah so I mean to be very honest I was really like before this pandemic hit right a year ago I was really starting to like say no a lot more when it came to DJing because it just was turning out to be very just not sustainable for how I wanted to live mm. my life. And and in 2015, so up to that point, to 2015, I was going everywhere, doing tours, going to America, going to Australia, all of that biz, and working every weekend and very busy in, in the world of DJing. And then I had, in 2015, I started getting, I got this show, this radio show, which was every night of the week. And that really changed things because I had a kid, but that didn't stop my DJing. But the radio show meant that I wasn't around in the evenings in the week. So when I started, when I, when, when I was DJing, that meant that I wasn't around any evening or it would be like one evening a week. And that after a while just became very hard. And then with my second kid, um, it, I just found it even harder. So I kind of started really streamlining the gigs, doing less and less and just doing the ones I really wanted to do that, that felt like really, you know, ones that I was just really passionate about or ones that were just, you know, good earners and, and paying the mortgage. Um, and and kind of, yeah, just trying to do less in order to uh, 
gain a bit more balance in my life. Um, and then more and more, um, as my younger son grew up uh, and as he's getting closer to school, so he's going to be starting school this September. Um, yeah, I, I just, just more and more aware, I guess, of, of, of the time, uh, of my show, which is in the weekday evenings. So not able, not able to kind of give them dinner or put them to bed at night. And then, uh, them being in, childcare in the day so you're kind of getting a couple of hours with them in the afternoons and it's the post-school very fraught hours it's not really great time um and so when you're away at the weekends that's hard because the weekends are the times mm. where you can totally decompress and just really have quality time together but if you're working or traveling or you know getting back at lunchtime on a Sunday knackered after DJ until four in the morning you're not really in in the best form for parenting and I just felt like it was too much of a struggle um so I kind of made up my mind in my head that DJing was going to be something that was not the the the, the main focus of my career anymore I wanted to find a way that was uh, something that was more stable that could keep me in London and not have me traveling as much and just give me a bit more flexibility in terms of being around more um so then the pandemic hit and it was like, oh, right, but this is me getting getting an example of what it would be like to not be DJing at all. So it was really interesting because in my head I was thinking, you know, I want to get to this point at some point and then it just happened. Um, now the idea of DJing is equal parts so enticing and exhilarating. You know, one of my first gig gigs back is supposed to be gay pride in manchester on august bank holiday weekend can you imagine how much fun that would be fantastic but then equally i'm a bit like god i'm so used to seeing my children now in the way that i do um that i'm a bit scared as well so i i think i'm just gonna have to really manage it and um take every gig as it comes i think got a few months to get used to that it's funny I mean I think it's interesting you saying the word scared I think a lot of people are very scared of going back to a yeah. part of how it was I think yeah. you know we, we've got so used to it now and I, I very interestingly quite a few people are now coming out and saying actually I fear this um mm. post lockdown I fear what life is going to be like for me I I'm fearful and actually I think it's really brave to say I'm a bit scared of that good yeah. for you yeah um I, I there's some wonderful stories that I read about you um which I loved that, that you thought you were going to be an actor and yeah. you went for your audition you didn't get in so you cut your hair off yeah, I mean, what a, what a drama queen. Jesus Christ. But that is really powerful. You Was think? it literally like that? Yeah. Was it as simple as that? <laughs> I had hair all, the, all like really, really long hair down to my bum. Um, long, thick, curly hair. And yeah, I just I just kind of cut it off in this act of kind of self-flagellation. Like, like I'm, you know, it, it was so so over the top so dramatic but yeah I just went to my mum and was like I need a tenor to go and get my hair cut and she did bless her give me the tenor and then I, I brought brought my ponytail home in a plastic bag for her <laughs> this big long ponytail. what did she say <laughs> she cried oh she cried but then she got over it and um you know she she was incredibly helpful to me because she then when I didn't get into that course which is all I wanted to do um she helped me do do the next thing, which was go to Queen's University in Belfast. And, and she kind of suggested going there through clearing. 
And I went there and I studied English literature and had, you know, three absolutely transformative, amazing years. So it was thanks to my mum, really, for helping me out of that little fix. Oh, how um, Yeah. I've been to Belfast and I love Belfast. I've never been to Dublin. And whenever I speak to somebody who was born there or lived there, yeah, I have this... It's very strange. I have this guilt. I don't know why... Um, I, I feel guilty that I've never been there because every single person... My grandfather w- went to university there. No uh, uh, Obviously a very long time ago. but uh, And he always talked about his love for Dublin. And everybody's always said it to me. And I feel it's one of those places that I can't believe I've never been. Mm. Is it as magical as everybody says? Well, I mean, I'm biased, so I think so. Yeah, you're allowed um, to be biased. <laughs> be biased. Um, and I am one of those people that goes around to people going, how have you never been to Ireland? Okay, say it to me. <laughs> say it to me. <laughs> it's closer than Manchester. It's um, mad, isn't yeah, it? It is mad. I mean, it, I guess part of, part of the Irish thing, you know, living, growing up in the shadow of, of, of the UK in the Republic of Ireland is you learn, you know, your whole curriculum, your, your history, your, you learn so much about Englishness and Britishness and pop culture, everything. And then when uh, one of the biggest things I experienced coming to, to England when I went to, I did a master's over here in a place called Farnborough, was just the culture shock at people's ignorance of Ireland. I couldn't get over how, and I'm not saying this about you, obviously you're aware of Ireland, but a lot of people just weren't and they didn't know we had our own currency they didn't know we had our own language yeah I mean this is you know these kids were you know 19 or something you know this is when I was coming over to do my postgrad so 19 20 year old kids and I, I was just like how do you not know this because we know everything about you um and and that made me feel weirdly you know I traveled I'd spent a summer in New York I'd, I'd been around a lot the world but it made me feel really foreign actually being in England and realising that people... That's awful. People hadn't visited, you know, and again, you just, people always go over to England from Ireland. It's it's a common thing. And I guess there's there's a kind of tradition in Ireland. It's got such a huge diaspora of people leaving the the island and going, you know, going elsewhere. So um, I always say to people, get over to Ireland, you'd love it. And, you know, my friend Nick Grimshaw, who, who you will know, you know, He's, I don't think he's ever been to Dublin. He he literally messaged me yesterday and was like, I really want to go to Dublin. Let's go. Um, so you're not alone in that. I think a lot of people feel that. But um, yeah, it's a wonderful place. I, I it, it, you know, it's, it's a city that's not big enough to be intimidating, but not small enough to feel like um, claustrophobic. It's just the perfect size. It reminds me of Glasgow a lot. And I just love a city oh, on the I coast. I love Glasgow. Yeah, um, and it's, you know, it's got the coast, it's got the mountains, um, and it's got just the most amazing pubs and the most amazing people. Um, I love Irish people. I really do. I think they're, oh, just the, be- they're just the best time. I think there's incredible warmth. I really, really do. Mm, really mm. warm people. Mm. Yeah. Well, you're allowed to be biased, but I, you know, there we go, <laughs> I am too. Um, this is a really weird question, okay, but I'm just going to say this. Because um, somebody asked me this the other day, because I'm going to be uh, sitting in on a music station and they said, right. oh, you're going to be a DJ. And I said, yeah, yeah, but I'm a presenter. And they said, no, you'll be a DJ. I said, but surely a DJ and a presenter are similar because you're presenting music, you're presenting people. And they said, no, mm. You're, mm. it's a DJ and a presenter are different. So to the greatest DJ <laughs> in the world... What is the difference between a DJ and a presenter? 
I mean, it's all about context, really, isn't it? Because if you're talking about DJ in the context of radio, a DJ is the person who who is presenting. presenting the show. Yeah, music or talk. Exactly. Um, but I guess I and would, I'd love I would to call be in someone a club, like in a camp club. Yeah, I would call someone like Emma Barnett a broadcaster. You know what I mean? Whereas I'd call, mm. you know, I don't know, Zoe Ball a DJ. So maybe it's a kind of, like if you if you if if you're broadcasting music, I guess that makes you a DJ. Um, and then obviously, if you're talking about DJing beyond the context of radio, a DJ is someone who you know plays plays music in some form um, to a crowd of people or not. You know, I don't know. At the moment, yes. Yeah, or to, <laughs> to not. a screen. Yeah, yeah exactly. To a screen. Um, also, when does a hobby yeah. become life or a job or, or work? Because I've I've read a lot that you say this is your hobby. I will say till the day I die that um, being a presenter and television is my hobby and my love. Mm. And it's also my job. Mm. So for you... When does your hobby become work or are the right. two completely interlinked? Well, no. I mean, I think at the moment, writing feels like a hobby. Um, you have a book out, which we're going to talk yeah, about. So, but that's, that's that, not a hobby. It's a job. It's real. Yeah, but, it, it, you know, I guess, I, how can I put it? I guess the original intentions were not to kind of, it w- was never in terms of a career or monetizing. And I think I, I think at a point when when you're doing a hobby repeatedly, and it's something that you're earning money from, then I guess there is a shift, isn't there, at some point of it becoming a job. And that doesn't stop you loving it, but it's it becomes a job at some point. And it's very hard to pinpoint that moment. But I guess um, in DJing, a lot of colleagues in the DJ world, they would say that they're not being paid to DJ ever, but they are being paid to travel. And and it's kind of you know when oh, when you when you travel for okay. eighteen hours to get to a gig, and you're sitting in airports and you're sitting in bus transfers and you, you know what you know after a while that stuff stops becoming fun and it, it becomes exhausting and you find your ways to get through it and when you have family at home that's when it becomes difficult and that's the bit that feels like work but that once you're behind the decks, that's the hobby, and I guess there's there's you know there's ups and downs that come with every aspect of a job isn't there. Um, I can't really think of any downs when it comes to to being a radio presenter, but especially as a DJ, I think when it's constant and when you're traveling globally in that way, the work aspect is is that it's the travel. Yeah, I get that. Okay, come on, you've mentioned it again, so I, I'm looking at it now. Mother, mother, mm. Anne McManus, Annie Mac. I, I mean, congratulations on it. It. It is real. I, I've actually got it here in my hand. I wanted to have. I'm holding mine. I'm holding hand. mine in my hand too. There we're it both is. Holding you can hear me. There we go. About two streets away from <laughs> from each other, two women know, are holding so the same funny. book. <laughs> <laughs> and I love what it said. In um, I was looking at uh, previews of it in in magazines and what it said. And I love that it's a it's a Radio One DJ Annie's debut book is a gritty, affecting coming of age novel following a young woman called Mary McConnell. Um, I would say, do you know what I think it is? Because mm. when I read it, I'd say it's a book that you completely, the characters are so real that I, I hope you take this as a compliment. I saw it as a film. 
Wow. That's how you've written it. To me, I can see somebody... Has anybody bought the film rights yet? Well, it's... Um, what is it? Is it March now? Yeah, so they've only this month they've gone out They've gone out to people. Um, so this this is when the conversations start happening at the moment now. Um, Do you see it as a film? It's Yeah, it's funny. It's Yeah. Um, at the time, I, did, I, I didn't write it with any sort of intention, but a lot of people have said what you've said. A lot of people have said they could really see it adapted for screen. I mean, that would be so exciting. Um, and Saoirse Ronan. Oh, my God, Saoirse Ronan. I love her. <laughs> She's got to be well, the you know, lead you in know, it. Did, did you ever watch The Fall? Yes, the, yes. Yeah. So do you know um, Jamie Dornan's wife in The Fall? Her name is Brona Wach. Yes. She is, uh, she is, uh, she's from Northern Ireland and she's actually doing the audiobook so she's she's narrating it for the for the audiobook and I spoke to her the other day and she was like please let me play Mary if this ever gets put <gasps> to screen okay. <laughs> and she'd don't be, tell her that I said she'd Saoirse. be amazing but Saoirse could be the young you know the young Mary and she could be the the Mary in the present couldn't she the one who's disappeared yes well she disappears it's it's wonderful how did you where did you start did you say okay this is it it's time to write a book or did you have this story in your head and just say Right, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it at last. How did it work? Okay, like I asked you about hobby. Yeah. Where does an idea and actually physically going to a publisher and saying, "Here's my book." Mm. How, where does that little step happen? So the step happened after I turned forty, um, and I kind of classic, classic, you know, turning forty moves. Just kind of don't often stop like my life it's felt quite fast forwardy in the last 15 years it's just been charging ahead and for the first time I kind of stopped and just took stock um I got married that same year um I turned 40 and I just was like whoa okay let's just kind of try and put the brakes on a bit and and just look backwards for the first time and one thing I'd always wanted to do since I was a kid is write a book and I just Obviously, things got in the way. Um, so I decided that uh, on turning 40 that I wanted to do something that made me feel kind of uh, excited and exhilarated and, and, and new, basically new in my life. And that was to learn something new. So I did a writing course. Um, and the point of that was to try and just force myself to be disciplined and, and, and kind of create some sort of body of work. And just see how that felt. Um, so I did this writing course, and I had been I had been writing, and I brought some stuff to them, and just kind of started developing it from there. And the thing that I brought to that writing course, it was a one on one course, uh, was was kind of very the nucleus, I guess, of, of Mother Mother. Um, and I just kind of fleshed it out and left there with about 35,000 words written, um, but more, much more of a kind of realised idea of how the story could, could unfold. Um, not, not, like, not in detail in any way, just I kind of had an idea of an arc of, of how I wanted Mary to, to, and story to kind of roughly go. And then I just carried on writing it when I left the course. And altogether, that took about a year. I started the course in September 2018. And in the following September, I handed it to an agent for the first time. And this was an agent that somebody just knew that they recommended it to me. I had no idea, no experience of the world of publishing. Um, and this was just a guy I met and I liked his vibe. And, and I gave him this thing and he took it away. And then 
came back and said he really liked it and I cried and it was all it, it, was, it, was, it was intensely personal because like my husband hadn't read it no one had read it it was my own little world for a year it's your baby yeah and it was intensely private and you know apart from the teachers for the first part I hadn't really shared it with anyone so the fact that he liked it I mean and there was a fuckload of work to do on it and you know it was so rough and uh, I look back now and the thought, the idea that he kind of, we sent that out to publishers is really embarrassing because it's changed so much since then. Um, it took another year really to get it to where it is now. Um, but yeah, so that that's how it all kind of came about. And in terms of your question about having a story inside me, there was not this story kind of that I had planned in my head ready to get out. It was quite the opposite. It was just... I started writing and I, I just let stuff come out of my head and then would go back at it and, and see patterns and try and slowly shape it into some sort of a coherent thing. <laughs> the the extraordinary difference, I suppose, between DJing in massive clubs and travelling around the world and then sitting on your own in your vagina shed yeah. uh, writing a book, that they they're sort of they're both they're so far away from one another that I get it because you're you're on your own when you're writing as you said you know it's mm. you it's you in your head and those people that you've created and then but when you're a DJ and you've got thousands of people mm. with you mm. in the room with you mm. the two to me make complete sense that you do both of those wow they are yin and yang and perfect yin and yang yeah uh, you know I've been thinking a lot about it because especially I've been really trying to figure out how I was going to talk about it because I'm I'm not used to I'm used to being the interviewer for a start but I'm not used to it, 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 it it's such a big shift because my whole life has been curating it's been it's been curating other people's art. It's been playing other people's music. And yes, there's an art form and there's a kind of creativity to, to, to how you put music together in a meaningful way. Of course there is. I'm oh not, dis- I'm not disputing that at all. But actually creating something out of nothing is new for me. And that idea of being that creator of a story, of characters, of people, and allowing that creative process, allowing these things to come out of me, um, has been so it's been such an epiphany and it's it, it's quite it's quite a vulnerable place to be in because you're literally laying yourself bare you're like here this is my innermost kind of di- mm. di- di- you know this is who I am kind of weirdly read it and it, it's terrifying basically so I've been really worried about how I was going to talk about it and it, it's trying to find because I know as an interviewer what you try and do is you try and find links between things you try and join dots don't you between people's motivations for things and how things work and I was trying to think about what on earth is is, is in any way similar between writing book and DJing and I guess you know there is the parallels of it's kind of telling a story isn't it so DJing putting music together is telling a story through music is telling a story through energy and mood and 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 kind of pulling at emotions in a way and I'm interested in pulling at emotions from people I always like the music that is the most kind of uh, emotive um and I feel like maybe there there is a kind of parallel in terms of writing the book as well I love that I don't know if that made any sense Gabby Jesus Christ no it really did absolutely it did but also, also, 
there's just that you've done it you've gone for it and i think that's great i really do in the same way that becoming a female dj and there were nobody else like you said there was no one else doing it you've just said right i'm going to write a book mm. and i didn't get into college so i'm going to cut my hair i'm going to i just I, I i like that i like people who just go i mean you you know you had compilation albums out yeah. you've got your podcast which is huge and doing really well it's like you just say right i'm going to do it and it's as if and I don't mean that you're knocking down houses to get there like some, you know, one of those uh, Marvel heroes go, right, I'm going to mm. get what I want. I'm gonna... It's not that. I just get the feeling, you go, okay, I'm going to do it. But in a sort of wide-eyed way. And that I salute. I love wide-eyed excitement about things. And I sort of <laughs> feel that you're like that, but you might not want to admit you're like that. <laughs> uh, I... I... I've always now you're my, not going to admit you're like that. No, I said you don't want to admit you're like no, that. I'm trying try, try to, try to explain it. So my dad, right? My dad, I come from a family of doers, right? My dad, yeah. My, my dad, um, in my production company is called D- Din Productions. Um, so Din, as in like you know a noise, but also Din yeah. stands for Do It Now, because I've got this thing from my dad where we just he he's he's that he's he's a doer my sister's the same we have to be doing things and yeah, you um, see I was right you were right you yeah you were right and and you know I owe it to my parents for I guess I, I feel like there's a I think it's also being the youngest of a large family and having the kind of um feeling of safety in the world um that you get from being at you know at the bottom of a large and loving family you know with older brothers and sisters you feel safe in the world and you feel confident because of that safety there's a trust I was talking to I go for a jog with a a lovely woman on my street and and she she talked she talked to me the other day about confidence being trust and that really really struck a chord with me the idea of someone being able to trust the world and 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 therefore do things and put themselves out there in a way where they trust that they 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 might be okay and they mightn't be okay, but there's a kind of innate confidence there to try stuff. And she said, you get that trust from being in a safe and secure family um, unit, you know, where you've been brought up to believe that, you know, you can make mistakes and everything's going to be okay. And you, there's a protection around you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And you just gave me goosebumps. Right. Okay. Probably gave me goosebumps when you were saying that. And, and for everybody out there who, who is listening to this and, wants to be a DJ, wants to be an author, doesn't come from the comfort of a, of a warm, loving yeah. family. Yeah. It can happen. It really can happen mm. f- for anyone. But there is a sort of, uh, that, that inner, not inner belief, but that I, I can do this, get it, like you said, mm. do it now, get it done, I think, all, I think, all of those things. Yeah, there's an impatience there as well. My friends will, will, will always say that I'm very impulsive <laughs> and impatient and it's a thin line and you know that whole do it now attitude you know my management would would, would eye roll because I'm just like come on let's just do it and they're like no no that's no that's me that's me I get it I'm that's my yeah. laughing I mean I'm literally like okay so here's this program idea and then you do you pitch it and somebody says I like it go, okay can we make it yesterday yeah can we exactly. do it yesterday because exactly. just want to do it no 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 yeah. yeah and that's why I always think I could never make music because you have to wait around so long but I didn't realize books take bloody ages to come out <laughs> um <laughs> But yes, yeah, you so wait till it's a film. You've been oh waiting God. around a long time yeah, for that. Yeah, but yeah, so th- there's a kind of it, the, the, the the do it now thing is all very well and good, but you know there, there's a a weakness to that in terms of being impulsive, and I've had to really try and learn over the years to 
be a bit more uh, organized about things before I do them basically and and when I when I handed the book in and finally a publisher kind of decided they wanted to publish it I could not get over that they didn't want to publish it till the you know May I, two years later so it was like autumn of 2018 no, autumn of 2019, and they were saying, right, this will come out spring 2021. And I was like, but that's, <gasps> I don't know who I'm going to be in spring. That's so far away. And they were like, that's just how it works in the book world. So, oh my word, I didn't realize that. Yeah, but, but, but now in retrospect, as I said, after I handed it in in 2018, it took me an entire year to hone it and tweak it and make it good enough, in my opinion, to be read by the public. And I'm so grateful that I had that time. And if I had pushed, I would have had it out the following spring and it would have been shite. So I <laughs> don't think so. I, I don't I'm, believe I'm you. I'm just so I happy no. that I had the extra time. And that's really been a lesson to me in terms of just fucking taking your foot off the gas for a bit. Just 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 allow yourself time and space to make things are the, the make things the best they can be, you know. So, yeah. Oh, no, I love that. I didn't realise, though, it was... I saw, I obviously wasn't doing the math when you said it because I think for a lot of people, twenty twenty didn't happen. Oh, no, I know I'm not so adding right. that to my yeah, age. You know, I, I I'm, get I'm it. still thirty three. I'm not going to become thirty four. <laughs> uh-huh. um, now, are we asking this podcast always what makes you laugh? What makes you properly guffaw, belly laugh? What is it with you? Just silliness, really. Um, silliness. What I grew up silliness? With, with my dad just being an Egypt, you know, running around the house and doing silly dances and. Um, so so that kind of thing just just um, my husband is the same just uh, uh, just dancing madly and uh I don't know I can't I can't name you like one specific thing but I just appreciate people who are able to laugh at themselves I think that's very uh, endearing trait for me um and a very important trait um to Can you laugh at yourself? Yeah, I hope so. My my husband always takes the piss and says, come on, lighten up, fucking hell, you know. Because um, uh, I think I have changed over the course that since I met him, I was 30 and he was, he's seven years younger than me, so he would have been 23. And I think over the course of the last kind of five or six years, especially, you know, becoming a mom, trying to hold down life and uh money and all of that business there is a seriousness where I, I kind of feel a burden I suppose on myself uh, uh, to, to 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 kind of hold it all together so th- I, I'm really trying to lighten up a bit in general and uh be a bit silly because it is good for me but it, I can't what, what what I always say to him is I can't just turn it on I have to I have to feel a certain way I have to feel relaxed in order to be an Egypt, basically, <laughs> and it, ta- it takes a while to, to really get relaxed because I always have about 18 things in my head. Just shift some of those and just do that. I, do you know, I'm not going to say idiot like you do because there is there is nothing worse than, than, than somebody who's not Irish saying it, but I just, it that it's so, it's the perfect word. Yeah. It's the perfect <laughs> word and the way you say it and my word, I love being... An idiot. Yeah, I love it. I think it's it's good for your mental health, isn't it? Just to just to be able to jump around and laugh at yourself. It's very good. Okay, so what's the now? 
not not clubby stuff, not the stuff that's you know that that everyone knows Annie Mac listens to. But mm-hmm. if you're going to go mad with the kids and you're going to laugh, belly laugh with the kids, you're going to jump around to music. What would you choose? Shock us all. Go on, shock us. Well, I, I I'm a classic rock fan. Like I, I will go straight for the ACDC, but but um, or Black Sabbath or something. But my kids are mad for Crazy Frog. So a lot of the time, oh I'm my pick, god, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I pick if I pick them up on a play date or something, or from school and it's raining, I get the car. We will crank that up. We will crank Axel F. You're Crazy kidding Frog me. And I love the idea of someone like <laughs> seeing me in the car. And then, like, hearing, like, it's just awful. Axel F. I mean, my kids are seven and four, so that for them is, you know, their idea of a lot. You've made my day. (laughs) That is the best thing I have ever heard. Annie Mac, that you do realise that, you know, whenever the press goes out about the podcast, it's going to be Annie Annie Mac dance around Crazy Mm -hmm. Frog. Yes. Mm -hmm. Listen, I will stand by that. You know, I'm fine with that. Listen, congratulations on the book, <laughs> on the podcast, which is great. Uh, congratulations on it all. And uh, if you and I don't go for a walk in our local park <laughs> soon, it won't be soon enough, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? It totally you does. You know what I mean? It totally does. Well, you know I what's going to happen? Because we've never seen each other. We live in the same area of the world. And um, what's going to happen is we're going to walk past each other in the park and go, oh, oh, yeah. it's going to be one of those. It will be. Yeah, it will be. Well, I look forward to it. So do I. Bless you and good luck with the book. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thank you. That Gabby Rosen podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your reviews. I promise that the team and I have read them all and we really are rather overwhelmed and they really mean the world to us. So thank you so much. If you kindly leave a review or a comment, that would be lovely. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.